Um, by the way, I'm very impressed with this church. I did not know about it, I'm sorry. But you are intentionally seeking to meet needs. You're seeking to be relevant to a world that uh, many times thinks that Christianity is irrelevant. So I just want to say I'm very impressed. Thank you for the privilege of being here. Um, I will say that in, in coming here, um, it's like, what would be specific? Uh, I'm, I'm a um, math person, logical, uh, loved math, English, I, but even though I, I don't know, I wrote books and I think, I think oh my goodness, why, 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 what are all these books? I didn't even like, I don't even really love writing. And, but they are equations, they're math equations. Well, they're not math equations, they're equations. Uh, if you get the right formula about life in specific areas, then if you're looking at God's word and what does God actually say, well then, oh, here is a solution. And so, and so that's what hopefully the heart is about. And uh, it is a blessing to have a lot of material on a lot of topics. Uh, th th this is what happened. I was a, um, I, I was not a Christian. I didn't even know what it was to be a Christian. I was asked, are you a Christian? I said, yes. I was sincere, but sincerely wrong. I had no clue what that meant. I went to a church. Uh, it was a Christian kind of church. Uh, but nobody took a Bible. I don't ever remember seeing a Bible. Um, they were civic sermons, be a good person. Uh, and, and my thought was, well, when I was asked, are you a Christian? I would say yes, because I went to a Christian church. And yet, you know, you think about it, just because you walk inside a, a stable, that doesn't make you a horse. Uh, if you walk inside a, a garage, that doesn't make you a car. And so I just mistakenly thought, just because I went inside something, you know, that made me a Christian. Uh, bottom line um, is I hadn't seen authentic Christianity until I now was in a church I didn't plan to be in or want to be in, and all of a sudden I thought, what is this? I'm, I'm, I have never, and I was, I was uh, a junior in high school, and I thought, I've not seen people like this, and they weren't weird, you know, they were, uh, they were real and with it and you know it was a huge huge number of youth and I and I was quiet I did not uh, I wasn't verbal and, and there's a reason why uh, I, I couldn't get out of me what was authentically going on uh, because I didn't know anybody who had my situation. My father had three families going on at the same time. So I actually grew up with a fictitious last name. I was June Wright until I was about 13. My parents said um, that what they were doing was right, even though it was wrong. So you, you, know, you just sit there and you think, because <clears throat> we were this family off on the side. I, I lived in the Lakewood area um, uh, in Dallas and so when, when you don't feel the freedom to speak when you don't feel you can talk because 
nobody had my situation that I could certainly see, uh, it kind of shuts you down. And in a dysfunctional home, eventually, by the way, my parents married, and um, while that could have been good, he was double my mother's age, he was cruel, it was awful, just awful. I hated him. I, uh, forgiveness made no sense. I mean, I mean, I didn't even think about forgiveness, but you can't forgive somebody who is unrepentant. He said, Christianity's a crutch. Um, I'm not a Christian. I don't have to go by Christian ethics. And so he had all these women and all this. It, it was just a mess. And yet here I'm around authentic Christians and I'm just seeing whatever it is they have, I want. I thought, ah, I know what they have. <laughs> they have all this information. They, they can actually turn in their Bible. They go, and, and I thought, that's like a magic trick. I love magic. I could do actually some magic, but um, I mean, no tabs. You understand, no tabs. So it had, to, it was phenomenal. And, and I was fascinated, just fascinated. Again, quiet, not saying anything. They, and this is after my name changed and after their, my parents were married, and yet um, mm, uh, it was just, I, I, I didn't know what to do. Um, by the way, at Mockingbird Lane and Central Expressway, I had my license now, and um, it's like, Why not press the pedal, press it down, press it down, press it down to, to go over because then the pain would stop. I didn't feel I was suicidal, but it's the only way I could figure out to, for the pain to stop. But then I, logical, what if I maimed? Then I would be a burden and I can't handle that. If I can't, if I, if I'd be a burden to my mother because I was trying to protect her from dad's cruelty so I I had uh, no conscious understanding of a changed life through Christ I had no idea that that was even possible I was being told June Christianity is not a religion it's a relationship with God through Christ I thought that's odd <laughs> of course of course Christianity is a religion but I wouldn't defy what people would say because when you're shut down and you are not allowed to say anything, for example, in dinner, we were not allowed to speak. After dinner, we were forbidden to be with our mother. Everything was so strict and so controlled, even though my father was highly successful in business, it was, you know, the, the, how, how could he be, a, he didn't know how to be a father. Uh, certainly not a daddy, you wouldn't, sit on his lap. There was no relationship like that. And so I, I just, I just, I, it, it, I just had all this pain and I didn't know what to do with it, but it was unspoken. In dysfunctional families, you don't talk about issues. You don't come up with solutions that people agree and this is what we're going to do to work out this problem. You just typically don't talk at all about what really is going on. And that was me. Now, I will just say I did become a Christian 
I, um, I went to someone to find out. <laughs> I said, I think I'm a Christian, you know, uh, I, and there's no way I could have been. But uh, so I was asking an opinion over here, and this woman knew it, um, but she was very wise in the way she dealt with me. Uh, later, I became a youth director at this particular church where I was saved. There were 600 in the junior high division alone. That was my baptism by fire. But I, I and I didn't even want to do that, but I loved it. I, I loved it because I could see unspoken pain. I could, I, I mean, you can detect it when, when you've been there. A, and then later became the college and career director. Then I became a conference speaker, and all of a sudden, I was, you know, whatever I would speak on, uh, and I was, I was not telling my story. I, never, I didn't tell any of this at all for years and years. But, um, in fact, it was uh, 2007 uh, was the first time. And um, uh, so it was 10 years ago. But, but the point is, I, I, I didn't have words. I, I felt like I had a cork in my throat. Now, I, I know I was saved. I know I had a changed life spiritually. But there were things that were going on that would happen, and have you ever felt powerless, like somebody's controlling you, and you, you know it's wrong to let somebody control you, yet you have no choice? I mean, I had no choice as a child. I had no choice as a teenager, things that happen, and you don't either. You, in, your, in your upbringing, you didn't have a choice about where you grew up what kind of home it was. For some of you, it was wonderful. For others of us, it wasn't. But we don't have a choice about that. The problem I learned is to replicate what happened in childhood and adulthood, that's not good. Because I was controlled then, now I'm being controlled as an adult sometimes violating my conscience, and I didn't want to do so, or I would know something was wrong, or I would go along with the thinking I had no choice. So I would be manipulated. Now, the one good thing that did happen, I remember getting it in my head, oh, it isn't Christianity isn't a religion. It is a relationship. And I remember in Ida Bell, Oklahoma, where my grandmother lived, and I had two guy cousins, and so I had an older brother, so we were a fearsome foursome. And so we just played football, baseball, it didn't matter, you know, so I was, and, and the guys accepted me for some reason, so that was great. I was the youngest of the four, too, but miracles do happen. So uh, I, everything was Fine, wonderful in Idabel, but then when we come back to Dallas, it was just all this pain, and it's like it's like a it was like a, a huge black cloud that just stayed uh, when we at home. It was totally different in in Idabel. It's but but still no talking about anything. But what what I remember is my grandmother. I always associate one particular song with my grandmother. See, she was a widow. She did not have a husband for especially the years of her, uh, my mother, uh, well, let's see, when my mother was three, my mother's father died, my grandfather. And so there were all these years 
that my grandmother had no husband. And there was a song that she loved because she had hydrangeas around the house and she loved her little garden. Well, I knew about, uh, late later, I learned about a song, the background. The song was written by a man who, whose wife had died. It was so painful to him, tremendously painful. He even lost his faith. How, how could this happen to her? And then one day he walks into the garden that she had beautifully cultivated. And he said, God spoke to him. I will walk with you. I will talk with you because you are my own. It's the relationship. And that's why I just love this old, old hymn that I remember so well from years ago. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear the sun of God discloses and he walks Tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He speaks, and the sound of his voice is so sweet, the birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we Another has ever known, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever. The emphasis is on the relationship. And God can speak to us through his spirit indwelling us, the spirit of Christ. He can speak to us through his word. And there have been times when I've been stunned by what I would read in the Bible to counter something I assumed that was wrong. Especially when I felt powerless. Most people wouldn't have known that I 
was manipulated a lot, but I was. But I allowed it because I thought I had no voice. I mean, I thought I didn't have a right to speak or I didn't have a right to, or, or if, I, if I said something once and if it wasn't accepted, I gave up because that's what I had to do in, at home. I mean, mother said, honey, can't we just have harmony in the home? And I'd go, okay, okay. So that meant just do whatever would bring harmony. My father was cruel, but later I learned there was violence that I didn't know about. So I understand why people get shut down. Yet my problem was what, happened when you're, what happens when you're out of the home and you're still living the same way. And I would love to tell you, but when I conquered that, you know, been five years later or ten years later, about a year and a half, I uh, found myself caving in again. I hired someone. It, I was, I'd gotten two board members to deal with a situation because I didn't feel strong enough by myself and brought them in. And then this other person that where there was a confrontation later came to me by myself and he was angry and you know I was being blasted and I felt like that little girl that was shut down by a dad who was cruel if anybody here can identify with this I want to give you a scripture and go on and take out a pen it's good it's good for you or turn in your bibles turn in your bibles too 1 Corinthians 13, which is typically thought of as the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11 says, When I was a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Now that I'm an adult, I put childish ways behind me. Oh. So you know what I, had, I used to say to myself and kind of still do on occasion? June, grow up. Even though I'm 800 years old, you know, June, grow up. Grow up. You've got, you cannot continue to act like what you felt as a child. We don't have a choice about what we grow up in, but we do have a choice as adults based on the authority of the Word of God, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11. In other words, if somebody comes and starts blasting me, angry with me, you know what I need to do? And I'll, to periodically, I'll share this with somebody on radio or if I'm in a speaking situation or just one-on-one, -on -one, I would do, say, okay, say, he has a problem. I'm not going to let his problem be my problem. By the way, why don't we just do that? I want you to repeat after me. He has a problem. Okay. He has a problem. He has a problem. I'm not going to let his problem, I'm not going to let his problem be my problem. She has a problem. Because it can be a female. She has a problem. I'm not going to let her problem be my problem. See, sometimes we're manipulated in certain ways where all of a sudden, we're letting this person have control over us when the issue is they're using like anger as a tactic 
it's they, they've learned it's a manipulative tactic. So what what is manipulation? If we if we just basically look at the 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 core of it, manipulation just by definition is the art of controlling people or circumstances by indirect, unfair, or deceptive means, especially to one's own advantage. It's an art, it's a craft, they've crafted how to do this. You know, we, we have this, this um, little book here, Manipulation, Cutting the Strings of Control. Uh, we have it at the back, and it has a, a marionette. It's like, is somebody controlling you, pulling your strings? The issue is at times you need to cut the strings. That's too much control. Why? Because the one who is to control you and me is to be the Lord himself. He is to be our master. And if we're letting somebody else be our master, have mastery over us, controlling us in a negative way, we have a misplaced dependency on that other person. Ultimately, manipulation is a process of giving excessive control, excessive power to others, power that God alone should have. Why do we know that? Because the very first of the Ten Commandments is, you shall have no other gods before me. And we can allow a person to be our God. When I say manipulative patterns, Listen, I, I started looking. I thought, well, I want to see, because I can't find the word manipulation in any book. I wrote this material on manipulation, I thought, but I couldn't find a book on it. And I thought, let me look in the Bible. And manipulation was all over. Genesis, my goodness, you look at how, how um, Abraham and Sarah, they were manipulating Pharaoh, and then later a, a, a king trying to present themselves as something that they were not. Um, Jacob manipulates Esau. Um, um, we have uh, Rebecca and Jacob. They they manipulate Isaac, uh, who is partially blind, and uh, but but purely to secure the birthright for Jacob. I mean, you see it all over the place. So this is not new. This is a problem, and it's a big problem. So. How, how, how are people manipulated? Well, I mentioned anger. Uh, th think about a child in, in a store, and you've seen this before. Here's this child, and, and uh, you know, parents are checking out. Parent is trying to check out. <laughs> Mommy, I want that truck. I didn't know. You don't need a truck. <laughs> I want that candy. <laughs> no, darling, we're going to have, we're gonna have uh, food. We're going to eat pretty soon, so you don't need that right now. I want the candy. <laughs> it's getting louder. I want the candy. I want the candy. And then so, okay, okay, okay. Just to soften the, the voice level, just to quieten. Kids are highly, wonderfully adapted and skilled at um, manipulation. And adults learn to play children's games. So we need to make sure that the manipulation doesn't work on us. There are times when people use um, sarcasm to manipulate. 
Oswald Chambers says, sarcasm is the weapon of the weak man. Hmm. Um, the silent treatment is very effective. The sneer, that worked on me one time. I kept totally quiet from that point on. Uh, slamming drawers, slamming phones. Uh, there, there's one that is fascinating um, that we put in our material. Uh, we call it the sniveling sobber. These are all S's, by the way. And, and this, uh, I never forget years ago seeing Vicki Carr about to sing a song on The Tonight Show, and I thought, fascinating. I love this song. This is, again, years ago. And, and it, it, the story is, here's this guy, they've had a breakup, but the phone rings, and she starts singing Vicki Carr. Let it please be him, oh dear God, it must be him. It must be him, or I shall die, or I shall die. Oh, hello, hello, oh, dear God, it must be him, it must be him, or I shall die. And now she's crying. I thought, wow, she's, she's really, really experiencing this. Nine months later, I see her also on another program. And I'm not one who really watched a lot of programs like this, but I, I thought, oh, I love that song. You know, just, it's like, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and so I thought, she, she's singing it. And so, now, you know what? When she got to, let it please be him, that chorus, the tears came again. I thought, ah, those are timed tears, timed tears. That's what people can do. Some people, I can't. I cannot sing and cry. I don't know how people do that. And, and yet, she did timed it right. And the point is, there can be extended tears, where there could be legitimate tears, and it's like, oh, it's working with him. It's working. I'll just keep on. So it's extended tears. That's the manipulation. You understand? Girls. <clears throat> yes. Okay. Well, so we need to, instead, manipulation means you put something on the table, the issue on the table, and you deal with it. And you don't do, you don't play games. Uh, you don't try to manipulate other people. Um, I, I want to share one thing with you, and then we're going to, there's going to be a card that you have uh, inserted in your bulletin. Uh, but I want to share this first. The wrong belief of the one who is manipulated is basically, I must have the approval of others in order to feel good about myself. I must have approval. The right belief of the one manipulated instead should be, I don't need the approval of others because God accepts me and loves me unconditionally. He alone will meet all my inner needs. That's Philippians 4, 19. My God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So what do you do? Taking your card that was in your handout, grab a pen and, and just fill in the blanks here. And just keep this with you because you may need to share this with someone else. What do you do if you're being manipulated? And you say, enough is enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Okay. 
Number one, decide not to be dependent on the manipulator. You decide and know that you already have had an unhealthy, dependent relationship. You confess it to God and, and say, I am going to now allow you to be my need meter. Philippians 4.19. Number two, expect, ex expect exasperation from the manipulator. If you're going to change, your manipulator is going to be uh, upset. This will not be pleasing. But don't expect the manipulator to change, uh, to stop uh, and, and then agree with you. Uh, your, your dependence needs to be on the Lord himself. He is your rock. He is your fortress. Number three, prepare yourself for pain. Now, this is very important. Accept that whatever you choose, you're going to have pain. If you choose to stay exactly as you are, you're going to have pain. If you choose to change, you're going to have pain. But there is a scripture that's fascinating. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. And patience is better than pride. So understand, okay, it can be painful to, to, to cause a, a change of dynamic. Because there will be anger. There will be uh, upset attitudes and actions. So just expect it. Either way, you're going to have pain. Examine the methods of the manipulator. The, the Bible actually says the prudent see danger and take refuge. But it's a simple keep going and pay the penalty, Proverbs 22, 3. You know, ask God to reveal to you. In fact, you could even ask a friend, how can you help me evaluate? Help me see what I am not seeing about myself. Number five, notify the manipulator of the necessity for change. Now, actually, the manipulator is going to like this because you're going to start out saying, because we, we have the script, we have the writing for you. If you need to get this from us, we'll, we give you the actual wording. I've come to realize I've been wrong in the way that I've responded to you. At times I've been quiet or I've not spoken up. I've been fearful. And this is not healthy for either of us. See, that would be good that you're wrong. And then you can communicate, I can't continue in a relationship. Well, you, you, could, you could do this. You could say, I really care about the relationship, and I, I need to ultimately change because I believe that we can have a much more healthy relationship. Now, the truth is, it may be that God would lead you to not be in a relationship with this person because it's not right, it's not biblical. I can't continue in this relationship and be the person God wants me to be. And we're told, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so evil easily entangles us. Hebrews 12, the very first verse. Number six, don't defend yourself. You're going to be accused of, you're heartless, you're not a Christian, you're, you're so mean, and how, how can you do this? What, whatever is said, don't defend yourself. Now, you can choose once to say, I'm sorry you feel that way. What you're, you're saying isn't true. It really doesn't reflect my heart. Or you could basically uh, just 
know that at times it's not profitable, it's not going to do any good anyway to say anything. And the Bible says there's a time to speak and a time to be silent. Ecclesiastes 3. Expect experimentation. That's number seven. Expect experimentation with new strategies. Okay, if I can't manipulate you this way, then I'm going to try that way. But you need to, to know that that will be part of the pattern. And wisdom will save you from the ways of the wicked men whose words are perverse. Proverbs 2.12. So just know that it is imperative that you allow Christ to continue to control you. Number eight, nullify your emotional need to meet all of the manipulator's needs. See, it feels good to be a rescuer. It feels good to help. It feels good to, when, to be pleasing. But God did not design anyone. He did not design you to meet all of another person's needs. Or else that person doesn't need God. If you can meet all the needs, that person doesn't need God. Commit to memory, number nine. Commit to memory, Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of people or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be the servant of Christ. This was the most helpful scripture. It changed my expectation of me. I thought I had to be a people pleaser. I thought I had to do whatever I was asked to do. I needed this. I, I needed to hear no at times. In fact, number 10 is yield first to pleasing the Lord. You see, if I'm a people pleaser... If I'm a peace at any price person, was Jesus a peace at any price person? No. But, but wait a minute. Peace, he's the prince of peace, right? Well, he himself said, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. So he would say, he would confront. He would say no to people. And we have this mistaken view that, oh, he just... Everything was peaceful wherever he was. Well, that's absolutely not true. He took stands. So if you're going to be like Jesus, you must not be a peace at any price person. You are to entrust your life to the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 56, 11, In God I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? I grew up fear-based. I needed to stop. And I could get back into that. I can just tell you, I could be triggered from the past. But I fight hard to not have that happen anymore. Let me ask, have you at times felt, well, I didn't have a choice. I gave control. I had to give control. The Bible says we must obey God rather than man. That's the highest of submission in the priority line of submission. We must obey God rather than man. So if, God, if you're being asked to do something you know is wrong, you don't do it. 
you know, that means becoming centered in the Lord himself. Now, I know what it's like to think I was a Christian, and I wasn't. I know what it's like to try to figure it out. All I can say is I'm here telling you the truth about my life, at least the, some snippets. And I can just tell you the most important thing of all is to humble your heart. And this is what I did. I humbled my heart and received Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, giving him control of my life. And that gave me the initial foundation to have a changed life. Now, he is the change agent. He is the one who changes us inside out. If any man, if any woman, any person's in Christ, that person's a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. I know what it's like to have a religion, not a relationship. I just thought, you know, there may be somebody here who can identify with me saying, you know, I've been going to church and, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. Yet I don't, I don't think I ever had that changed life. If God is knocking at the door of your heart and you know that, that he's right about saying, this, this needs to change, I'm going to invite you to pray a true, authentic prayer of salvation to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior giving him control of your life and if that is you it will be incredible in terms of the freedom that you will begin to have let's bow our heads if you feel God is leading you and you are willing to pray this prayer of totally yielding your will to his will the will of the Lord Jesus Christ just pray with me. God, I need a real relationship with you. Thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for loving me. Right now, I'm asking you, Jesus, to come into my life to be my personal Lord and Savior. I give you control of my life. I'm asking you to to take over. I give you my mind and my will. I give you my heart and my life. Make me into the person you created me to be. In your holy name I pray. Keeping your heads bowed, if you prayed that prayer and really meant it, would you just look at me? Give me eye contact. Yes, welcome to the family of God. Yes, sir, welcome to the family of God. Yes, welcome to the family of God. Yes, sir, welcome to the family of God. You understand, we are told that we are adopted into his family, and then he becomes your perfect heavenly father. Yes, ma'am, welcome to the family of God. Yes, welcome to the family of God. Yes, sir, welcome to the family of God. It, it, it is, it is life-changing. Over on the other side of the room, yes, sir. Welcome to the family of God. That's marvelous. I'm on the far left or right right now. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Welcome to the family. Yes, welcome to the family.
Heavenly Father, thank you for these yielded lives. Thank you for what you're going to do in them, to them, and through them. Thank you for the strength you're going to give them through your spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for your great sacrifice, loving them enough to die for them, and the way now they can live for you will be complete. Grow them in your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for the privilege of letting me be with you.